0: wrestling podcast Mike Mahler Sincere Hogan
1: hey man lots of lots of good stuff been going on this past month man rocking and rolling besides his heat yeah, yeah we're, have, we're having another really good month with the podcast everyone was excited to see that Steve Maxwell was back on the show and if you loved the episodes with Steve, you're going to love our guest today because he's also another guy who's been around the block for a while. As has a wealth of knowledge, and especially for those of you guys and ladies over 50 that are just dealing with aches and pains, and your mobility is not there, and you're, as a result, your quality of life is declining. Exactly. He has incredible information on that stuff. So our guest today is Tom Furman, good friend of mine. He's a high-level martial artist, fitness expert. He actually taught at my collision course workshop back in 2008 in Las Vegas, and he's on the DVD set. So many of you are familiar with his excellent material on there. He is the author of 10 Exercises That Will De-Age You By 10 Years. You Can't Outrun a Donut, like that title, Seven <laughs> Steps to Lose Those Extra Pounds. And also a really cool video that he came out with years ago. It's kettlebells and martial arts stuff called Concrete Conflict. And this, what I really liked about that video is that it wasn't the cliche yes. of what you see on most videos, where <laughs> we see the same exercises just repackaged with a slightly different nuance on it. Here, Tom came out with exercises, for the most part, that I've never seen which were very useful and applicable to the topic on the video. So very interesting stuff. Tom, how are you doing today, buddy?
2: Doing very well, doing very well, actually. Yeah, nice you, time to do the interview.
1: <laughs> and, and even and even more so, if you
0: look on Collision Course, look on that DVD, you'll also see a part where Tom slams me on the mat.
1: <laughs> so yeah, a mat. That. Yeah. That, that's how our yeah.
0: friendship began, by him slamming me on the mat right there. That, that's, yeah. how,
1: that's how Sincere got discovered, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that video. People, yeah. Sincere's a smart guy. Anytime someone asks for a volunteer to come to the front <laughs> of the room, Sincere's yes. like, man, I know people are, I know Roger, Mike's brother's filming this yeah. thing, and I'm going to be on that video. Yes, know? sir. And here we are S- today. Sincere's <laughs> on, with every instructor They're Sincere, demonstrating something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, create
0: yeah. opportunities, man. You know, always be the guy that sits in the front of the classroom. That was always me, the nerd.
1: Wave your hand, yeah. <laughs> well, take, you know, there's something to be said about taking the initiative, because you get noticed when you take initiative and that's how we developed a friendship is i'm like man this guy's always on stuff (laughs) also what i always liked about sincere is the fact that he wasn't one of those guys who would contact you and say hey uh, you know i'm good friends with steve carter and ken and was wondering if i could come to your course as a guest <laughs> yeah you know? yeah you, you, you actually paid for courses before i even had a chance to invite him out as a guest and that that always stuck out because so many people once they get to know you are they don't, they don't even know you they just know someone who knows you <laughs> right so, hey how about you yeah. a copy of this or how about copy me in this course
0: hey man that's the dj in me there is no guest list tonight man everybody's <laughs> yeah. got to, pay to get in
1: <laughs> no but i've worked with tom a few times and what has always stuck out me with tom's material is his excellent mobility work and we taught a course in fort lauderdale actually in 2010 Mm -hmm. and as i took people through the kettlebell stuff i noticed that tom was paying very close attention to people's movement patterns and then he tailored his presentation around that right on the spot which is a good lesson for those of you to learn who teach courses is that a lot of times you will have an idea of what you want to present which you totally have to just whitewash once you get to the group because you see that maybe people mm-hmm. are more advanced than you thought or way less advanced or they have mobility issues where certain things you wanted to teach are just not going to work anymore. But one thing that all of us can improve on is mobility work, improving our joint health. What do you, what would you say, Tom, Is is we get a lot of questions from guys over 50, men and women over 50, who are looking for material to get healthy. What do you think are the unique things that people in that age bracket are really looking for?
2: Um, not getting hip replacements, not getting things like knee replacements. So they start using patterns which aren't probably as they get older and heavier. They change things, change the way they sit, change the way they stand. So if less they can do what we all basically, all of us use, is like the, the five or six basic functions of squatting, Hinging, pulling, pushing, and, and bracing. Let's use the words bracing. Unless they could do those, something is going to be um, wrong. It's like not having your car aligned or something like that. Right. So, so a very similar process is it. It doesn't take that much brains to take like an athlete. It looks cool, but you get an athlete, find out something they don't do well, and make them do it. If they're tight in the hamstrings, you get them to a ballerina for a couple months. Ballet is magic. Or, or like a yoga instructor. And if they don't weight train and you see this pretty tough physical specimen and you put them in, make them weight train, you get these great results. And the secret then is weight training. So with mobility, as you age, getting people to accept the fact when they're going to age, their aging is a process. That's the, they're going to be the, one of the next books, but aging You're is right. a process. Getting, getting old is a choice. And, um, goes back to that saying, um, we don't stop playing because we get old. We get old because we stop playing. Right. And, and it's just simple things like getting up and down off the floor, taking the stairs, carrying your own luggage, things like this that people slowly over decades stop doing. And when you can't, you stop doing something, you're unable to do it. So if you right. haven't sprinted a hundred yard dash, you better take it easy, break it in because it's just not going to be there. Maybe when you're 14, it's going to be there. But when you're 54, it may not be there. When you're 74, I guarantee you it won't be there. So it's what you maintain. Then you have to figure out, what what do I want to keep? Like, how much money do I need? Do I need a billion? Do I need a million? Or do I just need fitness to jog around the block, play a game of golf? There's nothing wrong with that. Not everything has to be the CrossFit games. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. So, so is, is, you're aging. Are you satisfied with playing a good round of golf and not aching too much? That's fine. Do you, are you going to be competing in uh, MMA at uh, 60? Probably not. So, so the point <laughs> let's being, let's hope is, not. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's test. Let's challenge what's acceptable and, and hit a good level for that. And if you want a little bit more, you know, someday you may be in the Expendables
1: 14. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, what do you think are the?
1: Here's here's a here's a question that actually I think would be interesting. Is what do you think are the big mistakes people make when they're younger, which contributes to a lot of these issues they have to deal with when they're older? And let's talk about fitness enthusiasts.
2: Um, they're not prepared for the game. Not you know, there's a genetic lottery, and we're not all winners. Right. So we don't all come out of the womb with like Herschel Walker's genetics, and um. Unfortunately, that's a real sobering fact that you don't want to hit in your teens—that you're not the prettiest, you're not the strongest, you're not the <laughs> right. toughest. You know, it's it's very sobering when you're in your teens and you get your butt kicked, for example. And that could be on a football <laughs> field, be in a street fight, it could be in um, you know, in a basketball game. Like a uh, guy jumps up and he stuffs it. You're like, wow, I got to play this guy. Could be at the senior prom, you know? You know. Right, right. So. Uh, a good example is that we're a collision course, and yeah. John Hines had uh, everybody line up, and he had them jump. And then he goes, look at these people and tell them, tell us what's going wrong here. And a couple women were getting in valgus flaps. Their knees were close to touching when they landed.
1: Right, right.
2: So he he went through corrective exercises to change that. That never happens in a soccer field, women's field hockey, basketball, football. You just play until something's yeah. broken. Right, yeah. And when you're real young, you have enough growth hormone pumping through the body naturally. You're probably going to heal from it. Right. But there is a price to be paid because if you get unfit, that'll probably be the same spot that gets injured again. So it isn't hurting your back once; it's hurting it that fourth or fifth time that starts to creep up on you. Yeah. And and really, that's 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 a really important feature. Is they say I have bad knees, and they tell you we have a friend. Um, Eddie Kovacs, green ghost who used to, uh, sure. put his workouts up. And Eddie had, before his knee replacement, had 12 knee operations. Wow. So there was no squatting. There was no squatting. There was deadlifting and there was everything else. And he's an animal. So, I mean, his workouts are legendary. And, but he found a way around it. Now, if he had to go back and say, would you have done something different? Absolutely. Who wants a knee replacement? Right. <laughs> right. And, and also, in athletics, if you with both of you guys have dealt with professional athletes, it's like, fix me, I want to go play. They don't fixate on the injury. They fixate on competing and being who they are. Mm-hmm. Whereas, as I walk around in civilian life, people really want to be validated through injuries. <laughs> right. And uh, I've had someone say, well, I went to the doctor and my knee on a one to six scale is like a four. And the doctor may scope it, he may not. I'm like, well, what are you doing for it? He goes, well, what do you mean what I'm doing for it? I'm like, well, you're 40 pounds overweight. Do you think that's good for your knee? Right. And, and they don't even regard it. I mean, their mouth opens. I'm like, someone actually told them they were fat and it's destroying their knee. It's crushing it.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: And, and I'll tell you what, change mobility and your life expectancy goes down. We see that, you know, people living in wheelchairs. Yeah. And yeah. Matt, like Matt Buenacani, Nick Buenacani's son in football. And he's done tremendous things with spinal cord injuries, for example, but he was a young, strong man with the best financial care on the planet. Money means a lot in that case. But take an older person, a senior citizen, for example, have them break a hip or get to the point where they're in a wheelchair. The quality of life goes down and their life expectancy goes down dramatically. If, if we were all still hunter gatherers and you broke your leg, you're gonna have a rough yeah. life. Yeah, you're, you're done.
1: You have a short life. <laughs> well, a a right. lot of a you're, lot of times they would leave you meat. to your, A lot of times you'd be left to your death. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You're now you're now a liability to the group. They can't carry you around so far. Exactly. It's like too bad. Yeah.
0: I mean, no, it, that's it happens the in animal world every day. Lions right. do it all the time. When they get right. injured,
1: the, the pack leaves, and that lion
0: knows, like, hey, just go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yeah. Right.
2: So, so right. essentially, it's it's either you're going to live near a stream and fish somehow or, or you know, you're never going to heal and you're going to be left behind. Right. Well, we're we're a caring society and so forth and giving society and we protect people and all that. But the quality of your life changes. If you've ever hurt a knee or an ankle or a foot or your back, your life changes. Yeah. And it could, what it, it is, it could
1: be even minor, Tom, where you just yeah. your, your back could be stiff from a bad rep of a deadlift gone. Yep. Gone bad. Yep. So then, the, the next morning you wake up, you're stiff as a board, and it hurts just to lean over and pick up anything, and it goes away after a couple of days. But during during that first day or two where you're stiff as a board, I mean, you're not in a good mood. No. Everything becomes a chore now.
2: Right, right. Everything you have to think about, putting on your yeah. pants, yeah, everything. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Going right. to the bathroom, you know, it's like a heavy <laughs> squat a You have to do squats. Every, Every time the, you go to the it toilet. becomes
1: efficient. You don't want to have to make more than one trip. It's like, all right, let me go into the kitchen and get everything <laughs> yeah. I need so that when I sit down, I don't have to get back up and go there. <laughs> yeah,
2: exa- exactly. So, I mean, uh, so in, in aging, the aging process to get back to that is oh. it happens very gradually. And it's like people getting bigger clothing as they gain weight. They never think, like, well, let me go try these on. Well, these don't fit as well as these do. Then they go buy them. They don't recognize the tag's gotten a number bigger.
1: Right. Right.
2: It's, so there's no test for their, unless they're strength training or doing yoga, there's no test in there to say, can you sit on the floor? Can you bend over and pick up a child? Can you, you know, carry a suitcase? Uh, Can you climb? What if the place is on fire and you have to do pull ups? How many people can't do pull ups? Many. Right. Right. So that's part of mobility as well, your power to weight ratio. So, It's gradual over a lifetime, but the dramatic impact it has, it it shortens it. Like I said, go to any nursing home. The people walking will do better. Once they're bedridden, figure out how long they're going to be there. It's not going to be long.
1: Right, right, right. No, that, that's yeah, absolutely yeah, correct. I witnessed
0: that growing up because my mom worked in a nursing home for about 30 years. So it's just mm-hmm. just seeing that yeah. and it's just like, God, I don't ever want to be here. I don't ever want to be here. And I don't want my mom to ever end up here either. So, you know, I've always right. stayed on her like, hey, get your checkups regularly, go walk, do something. So you don't end up being the people that you worked for. You know, because yeah. I looked around, it was just like a it was just like a walking cemetery for the most part. It's almost like people walked around yeah. waiting to die. It's like please, and they would look at me. Sometimes it would be scary to a lot of kids that would go there. I guess because yeah. I was there so long at such an early age, it didn't affect me as much. But so many kids would be afraid because it just seemed like some of these adults were just like just they look like zombies. They look like zombies. Yeah. And now you look back at it, it's like damn man. You know, this is just a shitty existence they ever have right here, and you just yeah. don't, you don't want to go there. And I don't think a lot of us in this fitness world or whatever, ever think about that. They think, like, well, I'm able to lift a weight. I'm good to go. I'll never end up like that. But they don't realize that, you know, a lot of times they're overtraining. They're setting themselves up for injury. And all it takes is just right. that one injury to happen, and they're out of the game. And then, like you said, that quality of life just starts just going down, down, down. And especially yep. when all the injuries start piling, going up, 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 and stacking up. And next thing you know, you are one of those, as quote, unquote, feeling like it has been. You know, I used to be that guy with that guy. And then you just, it's depressing, for one thing, especially when you're yeah. fit. And you can't do the things you used to do anymore. It's very right. depressing. So it's even more depressing than someone that's been out of shape all their lives and they've just accepted it as normal. When you're someone that's right. not fit and you can't do that anymore, then life sucks, man. And you just really you go into the state of depression and it just gets worse from there and you become one of those zombies, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, go
1: ahead. Go ahead, Tom.
2: No, I mean, even specifically for athletes at the end of their career, that's why it's so hard for them to quit, is they have to face (laughs) up to the fact that they're not what they once were, and they have to be known for their business or their charity or or being a parent or being a husband or wife, and when they change and have to go into that retirement, that's a very depressing component because they're not the person they were. It's total you know, reality.
1: Yeah, they're never gonna be at that level of elation again. Especially someone, for example, Michael Jordan, who won all those championships and was regarded right. as the best in the world when he was playing in his prime. You know, he still has a great life, obviously. But in terms of walking into a stadium and you know, having people go nuts and yeah. the competition and the drive and all those things that came with it, that phase of his life is over. So now you have to focus on other things. And I, I think I think the mistake not even just professional athletes I think that if if you're going to retire from one thing you you have to do something else so I think yeah. the, I think retirement is a big mistake in the sense that if you're just you just want to sit around and watch TV and all that you know, you're you're not going you're not going to be in a thriving state anymore it's just going to be a, a rapid decline so if you don't want to work anymore you know do some charitable work you, you do something active you still have to have some kind of goal write your memoirs you know something
0: yeah, and actually, that, that gives yeah. you a purpose. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you need to find all that stuff. Even when you're going to the height of your career, you need to find something bigger than who you are as the athlete. Even if you're right, the, right. if you are a Michael Jordan, you should, even during that time when your career is on the rise, find something much bigger than you. So therefore, If you won't have that sticker shock when retirement comes up, you know, realize like, cause now it's not about you anymore. And it really really shouldn't have been about you in the first place, you know, go out there, Mm -hmm. do your job, be the best at it. But at the same time, know there's something bigger out there beyond basketball. So I think that's what happens with anything, business, relationships, whatever, putting all your eggs in one basket or your one egg in one basket and trying to depend on that. When, what happens when that egg drops and cracks and then it's frying on the sidewalk, you know, now what do you have, you know, you got to ask yourself and you got to realize these titles, World champion, this, that, and the other. These are just titles. These are not exactly who you are. These are attributes right. of who you are. Right. And I think a lot of times when people realize that, that they're bigger than just, oh, I'm a mom. No, you're much more than just a mom. you know, you got to really dig deep and think, who who are you really? Everything else is just a title and all, or an action that you perform on a daily basis. And I think that's what happens. That's why it's so depressing. When those titles are stripped from you, then now what? You know, you got to sit there and the face like, okay, who, who the hell am I really? And I think that's what's depressing to a lot of people because they don't know who the hell they are anymore, or in the first place. So, sure. <laughs> well, yeah, oh,
1: go ahead, Mike. No, 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 you go ahead, Tom.
2: No, I was saying it's just a, it's a big change, and and essentially, when we talk about aging or something like that, it's 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 a matter of seasons and changing your training right. as you age, and you know the saying is, if you seek your limits, you're going to find them. <laughs> and, and, and you know, if you're going to it's a 500 pound bench press, you're going to find a pun. But well, are you willing to pay the price? And that's what they always say in sports. Are you willing to pay the price? Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And and maybe 20 years after that, that's not such a good price. Maybe you want to take up tennis and your shoulders ain't working too good. You you can't live life with one foot on a gas one on the brakes, but you could certainly use both modalities at the same time and use them in concert with one another right and learn to back down and take off and probably the best athletes were the ones ted williams and those guys were sportsmen they'd go out sport fishing and hunting and things like that in between they had like you said a plan b and uh in in same thing with life if you're a full-time business person like a donald trump you better have a golf game or a tennis game or a boating type thing let some steam off, get some recreation, burn some calories, or you're not gonna last. Right. 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 Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah. If you love being a businessman, but you don't take care of your health, you're not gonna you're not gonna have as long a yeah. career as you could right. have had. You're not right, gonna be able to right. sustain what you enjoy doing. And I think that that's a good point right there, is even if you don't enjoy mobility work and training and all these other things, if you do those things, it will allow you to enjoy what you do like for a much longer period of time. And that's mm-hmm. what I try to get across to people that are really into heavy weight training, such as myself, but they mm-hmm. don't like doing the mobility work. They just <coughs> completely slack on it. You, as you said, Tom, you get away with that for a long period of time. Yeah. But then it catches up to you. And when it catches up to you, it's much harder to correct it than it would have been if you actually – had a more preventative approach. Yes.
0: It's kind of like a loan shark. You can keep taking all those loans over and <laughs> right. over and over, but eventually yeah. you're going to have, you can say, Hey, I don't have it today, man, but you, give me some time. You know, <laughs> then that day is going to come where, you know, Nikki fingers and, and Tommy knuckles shows up <laughs> and they're coming to collect and they're going to break, they're going to take something with them. They're going to break something. And now there's 300% mean.
1: interest as well. <laughs> exactly. You only owed a hundred yeah, bucks. Now it's now You 900. Know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like, damn man, I only borrow a hundred dollars. Oh, you a thousand now. interest, man. So,
0: economics, bro. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: man. But, it, but it, it's hard to get that point across, though, because when, when you don't – see, we're, we're, so much of us are reactive, right? We we have a problem, and then we do something about it. Yeah. But yeah. but to do something about it before it becomes a problem is, is – to a lot of people, that's a waste of time. But, for example, just taking care of your car, getting the checkups, making sure things work well. I mean I, I make a point of doing this kind of stuff, which is not that big of a deal. Every yeah. few months, you get a checkup, you get an oil change, things like that. And as a result, I never have car problems, exactly. which is which is great because I've had a lot of car problems in the past, which is a total pain it's in the ass. You're stuck in the, <laughs> you know? yeah, I mean, stuck in the side a- of the road <laughs> and your engine's fuming, and now you got to waste time in hey, the man. shop <laughs> paying expensive bills. It's, it's, a, it's a real piss-off, man. So your body is the same way. I mean, if, why wait until something breaks down? And then you have to have this big layoff period, which is always depressing, when you could have done a few things. Not the most time-consuming things, just stuff in your work, for example, Tom, your mobility work I could have prevented a lot of those things. Yeah, and by the time something breaks down, it's going to cost a lot more. I mean
0: even even your body, when you finally have that injury, well, look, man, joint mobility, that's free. Just get up and you do it. But now you've got something that's broken because you know it's, over time you've been chipping away at this. Now you got this big hospital bill. No, oh, oh look now you don't have insurance anymore. You know don't get mad at Obama. Okay, you could have avoided all this yeah. stuff. You know don't start talking about you know Obamacare and all that madness. You could have done this on your own by starting with some mobility for the first thing you could have been doing, man. So it's just
2: you know it, it, historically it's existed. We've kind of lost it. I mean, um, there's a martial arts group. And the Dog Brothers, and one of their saying is to walk as a warrior all your days. Mm-hmm. So, amidst that philosophy, and they fight stick fighting with just fencing helmets on and hockey gloves. Amidst that philosophy, they're learning yoga and kettlebell lifting and throwing tires, and one to keep and repair the body. One of our old older teachers, a doctor Ghee, who used to live in Ohio. I think he lives in Georgia now. He's got to be in his eighties, but he's mm-hmm. from Burma. And he taught the older forms of yoga from Thailand, Burma, and so forth, mm-hmm. that the warrior, if he'd walk and he had a staff or a stick or a scarf, he'd stretch and work his joints and maintain and repair his own body. So that was something taught. Just like therapeutic Tai Chi, uh, Chinese martial arts have it, Indonesian martial arts have it, Japanese martial arts have it, Brazilian jiu-jitsu has it. I uh, was just <laughs> watching Hicks and Gracie on, on Joe Rogan. And he was talking about working with Orlando Connie and Gymnastia, Gymnastia Natural, which was a Brazilian form of yoga adapted to yeah, the yeah. fighters. So essentially it exists in all these formats. Why well, I've been around long enough to look at the fitness thing back to the old York days in the sixties. I'd read the magazines and so forth to now it isn't so much the things come around again. We, we leave out pieces of it. And now the big thing is, and it's C. Maxwell's talking about this, is, is crawling. He has a big thing about crawling right, and stuff, right. forth, yep. which I look at and I'm like, what? Well, someone's like doing courses and certifications in this? Where am I? <laughs> <laughs> I I'm, a, I'm a terrible business person that way because everything that they do, period, I'll say this right now, everything they do is in Indonesian martial arts, tiger silat, or Haramal, If you go in there and watch how they crawl on the ground, and I've done it with some really good people like Carmen Sawanda and people like that, and one of my instructors does another form of crawling on the ground, it's all there. All the other stages from the posing to the crawling to the rolling, it's dynamic planking, it's stretching, it's development of the legs, it's bracing of the body, and this has been thousands of years old, it's still practiced. And, and to use a very good story, Herman Sawanda passed away in a car accident several years ago. He's a very amazing instructor, and um, he was training Dan Inosanto. Of course, a lot of people know as Bruce Lee's training partner. Dan's still an extremely active martial artist at age 77 today, 77 or 78. And um, he was getting in these low positions on the ground, the crawling stuff. And he said, man, this is killing me. He goes, what do people in Indonesia do when they have a bad knee or bad hip? And Herman looks at him, and goes, what do you mean? He goes, "When like, they have a, like, bad hip, it needs replaced, maybe a knee replacement. What do they do? Because I still don't know what you're talking about. He goes, like, if they're injured. He goes, oh, you mean like a car accident? He said, well, either they recover or they don't. But nobody has those problems in Indonesia. In his villages, and he was in a rural section, people didn't have knee problems. They didn't have hip problems because they squatted. They get into buildings, just squatted. You knelt, you stayed on the ground. And this gets changed. When the Dutch took over Indonesia, because they were these big barrel-chested guys, the martial arts they absorbed, they stayed very upright like boxers. So one of the first influences in United States was the Dutouris family and Dutch Indos. And the martial art they taught was very stand-up. A little bit of ground, but a lot of stand-up. And then we got exposed to Herman Sawanda and different groups from Indonesia, and they said, children start on the ground. You play on the ground. Silat, Indonesian martial arts, starts on the ground and then goes to standing. So you develop those things historically by squatting, kneeling, crawling, and so forth. That doesn't change. Now, if you went to Indonesia in a big city, most popular things would be Taekwondo, kickboxing brazilian jiu-jitsu tai chi you have to go to some more rural areas or you might find some schools and people stand upright but occasionally you see them squatting on corners that third world squat to quote uh, someone's dvd <laughs> sincere um is 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 consistent with the culture our culture doesn't squat most people cannot squat and so I say, look historically at this stuff. It's great that it's coming back and I applaud people teaching it because it's valuable material. But it, it's, it's, when they say there's a certification coming out, I, I mean, they, they find this hilarious.
1: Well, certifications it, are getting really tiring. Yeah. Period. Right? It's, one, <laughs> it's probably God. one of the most annoying things in the fitness industry is certifications because it started off with a few organizations, companies that had success with it, and now everybody's trying to do a certification on everything. And it's yeah. just it's a, it's an easy <laughs> way reason. to charge five times more than you would for just a regular course, right? right? So if yeah. I if I teach a weekend course and it's not a certification, you know maybe it'll be five hundred bucks. If I if I call it a certification now, I can take the price up to Fifteen hundred and people, and you're probably going to get more people. You know, yeah, exactly. you're going to get more people who are willing to pay three times as much because they want a piece of paper. Exactly. It's like I, I, can, I can I can email you a, you a piece of paper. Yeah, I get, in fact, I'll
0: email you. You can just sit there and print out the PDF if you need a piece of paper just to prove that you were there. But you know what? The best piece of paper? How about you use that credit card receipt that you used to yeah. pay for the course? There's a piece of paper yeah. right there because that's the only one that matters. You know why? It's called a write-off. Okay, and that's what it means. That other piece of paper means jack. I mean, how many gems out there? I'm even, even going to ask you, Hey, did you take that breathing certification?
1: That's the only way we're going to hire you. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, on I on.
1: finally learned how to breathe in from the belly that <laughs> over a two day course. <laughs> I could have well, punched you in the stomach.
0: It made it a lot easier for you.
2: <laughs> what I find fascinating is, even say the material is very valuable it's a very good instructor. You look what they're doing, really good results. You say, I want to pay for this knowledge. I'm totally unfamiliar. We go in there mm-hmm. and, and I'm, and I'm fine with that. I really like, I have no problem paying for knowledge taking courses. I, I do. And I, you know if i want to lotto, i'd probably take a lot of courses cuz it's fun but what what gets me is, is 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 people give a certification course and then they have what's called a renewal thing right right, right. because so they want to set up some sort of passive income for themselves sure. right sure. and uh, and so um I, I i see this and i'm like well if it's fifty dollars to stay on their website, which gets a million hits, it might be viable as a business person to sure. upgrade yourself—fifty bucks, something like that. But it's a lot of money, or you have to take another workshop with them, which is a lot of money. And and then I saw someone, and I will go into names because it's it's pointless because it's. Oh come cons- on, let's go into names. <laughs> no, no. They said, well, "What's what's the renewal fee for?" And they said, "Well, we as the heads have to travel the earth to get instruction." To give new material to you. And I'm like, well, why don't I keep that money? I'll travel to the far ends of the earth to get new material to teach myself. Yeah. I just, it's, it's passive income. And right, so when they right. say it's a renewal fee, I'm like, come on, administrative? You got a girl in a garage somewhere with a, you know, with, a, <laughs> yeah. with a tablet. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's his niece. Okay. So. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's it, to a degree is like, I, I wrote an article about last month on squatting on the toes. And I just didn't like, oh, I'll make it up squatting on the toes. Uh, baseball catchers called stooping. And mm-hmm. some of them end up with knee replacements, not from stooping, but from throwing and moving in that position. Mm-hmm. And that was the summary of an article on catchers. One interesting summary was a guy said, I could never get a regular pair of pants because my legs were continuously too big. I had to get all my pants tailored from being in a sustained squat all those years. <laughs> but, but if you look at the old weight training books from, 1940s onward, squatting on the toes was one of the exercises. It wasn't just squat, deadlift, bent over row, overhead press. It wasn't right. just those things. Squatting on the toes wasn't bad. And there's five pictures of Reg Park, Bob Hoffman, John Grimmick. I have Samir beno I, um, I have Tom Platts. I mean, all squatting on their toes and it's consistent. And people think, oh, that's a lightweight exercise. You're going to hurt yourself. Back in Bob Hoffman in the York days, the one champion was squatting with over 400 pounds on his toes. Hmm. So we've taken that basic, and we've thrown it away. Just like, well, machines happen, people leg press, they do leg extensions, they stop squatting. Go into a regular gym and look for deadlifters. Yeah. I don't see them. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Besides it makes too, myself. It makes too, it makes too <laughs>
0: much noise. You can't just keep dropping the weights like that. And I'm sorry, no chalk. So no, no deadlifting allowed.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's no deadlifters. So... That's if you had to give a person one lift, like average person, you had to give him one lift. Might be the deadlift. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know,
2: it's going to hit the most. And like uh, I get people out, like I say, a lot of average people walk up in my age group and they go, "Well, I'm a woman. What's your recommendation for women?" And it, it, it's a very odd ratio for me because when I train people in person, which isn't a lot these days, it's right. mainly it's ninety percent women. Mm-hmm. I train people online. I get the hardcore guys like us who are little, little, you know, military athletes, things like that. It's just an odd mix. But when they say, what do you want to do for women? And I'll say two things. Eat more protein, lift heavy stuff, heavy mm-hmm. relative to you. It could be right. 10 pounds. Sure. But that's the two most <laughs> enough protein. And as you age, of course, your, your taste for protein diminishes. If you go to a nursing home, there's actually one down the street. Go to a nursing home. You won't find anyone chowing down on like well, six pounds.
1: Why, why is that, Tom? Why is that? Why does the yeah, taste please, for yeah, person plain, I'm, Yeah, I've started to
0: notice
2: that I even mean, with my wife. She's the same way. She's like, oh, I don't want that. I just want the rice. Like pro- yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, our taste, our our, our our taste given probably diminishes with age. Although if you eat good food and like spices and things, it's probably more acute. Right. The other oh, thing yeah. is I think it's just older people can get along with less than a tribe. So while well, you had the young warriors at like 15 and 18, because the warriors are very young in those days, chow down on a ton of protein. Give it to the young people because they defended the tribe and hunted for food, and the older people probably sustain themselves on less protein. Right,
1: right, right. right, right. That makes but, sense. But,
2: and and I just you're not going to stuff protein down people's faces. But getting used to eating a good, I mean, people we order pasta with chicken say. And I'm like, well, get two chicken breasts and a little tiny bit of pasta. And there's nothing wrong with the pasta. Just get used to really filling yourself up, the the satiety and so forth. You're not going to go want to eat something in two hours or four hours. Right. You're going to be satisfied. And when people, I had someone tell me recently, oh, I have to eat every two hours. (laughs) To the point of obesity, I have to eat every two hours or I get a headache. I'm like, well, you've got a lot of problems.
1: (laughs) Right, right. That's a clear, clear indicator of poor health is... That right there. And yeah. if you have a, a, a clear sign of health, as we talked about with Rob Wolf when he was on, is when you can have a good meal and that sustains you for hours, where you're not right. even thinking about exactly. eating again. Yes. a, a yeah. good meal, you shouldn't even be thinking about food for minimum four hours, and ideally six hours six or hours, so. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the standard. I, I eat like twice a day. I'm not active now. I used to be in a theater business, very very active physically. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Now, now it's writing occasionally training people, telephone calls, stuff like that. So I can only have to eat twice a day to maintain a weight that I had in high school. Right, right, But but I'm satisfied. And I mean, Rob's a friend and I pound the whole paleo idea of cavemen and we go into Whole Foods that are cavemen food. But Rob, I I eat a very similar diet. There's nothing wrong with the diet. It's it's the ridiculous historical claims around it I have a problem with. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right, but I agree 100% with Base your meal off a good pe- amount of protein and vegetables and greens and so forth, and you really probably don't need as much bread, pasta, pancakes as you're eating, unless you're running marathons, and then you might get away with more of that. Right. It's appropriate,
1: right. yeah. You know? so. so the lack of cravings for for protein, Tom, that's probably heavily correlated with just lack of activity, right? I mean, you're not you're not sure. doing anything intense, you're not breaking anything down to the point where you're not getting the signals that you need the the fuel to rebuild or you need those you need protein to rebuild from the activity you just did. So I sure. think I think that's a big chunk of it right there. I mean, Clarence Bass made a point of saying that it's it's not that your metabolism goes down as you mm-hmm. get older, It's that your activity levels right. go down as yes. you get older and then subsequently yeah. your metabolism goes down as a result of the activity level going down. And we see that quite a bit. I mean, you brought that up just now with as people get older, often they're encouraged to be less active. It's like, no, just sit down. I'll take care of that for you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I <laughs> you know? got that. I got it. Don't that. get up. Don't get no, up. No, no, I'll do I got it. it. But you know what's <laughs> yeah. funny? They treat the, they treat children and, and
0: older people the exact same way. Hey, sit <laughs> right. down. Sit down. I'll get that. Yeah. Be still. Yeah. Be quiet. Be still. Don't move. <laughs> you know. So it seems like everybody's like in middle age or whatever. They're the only ones allowed to move around, but those well, are the saw, ones that are most unhealthy. Uh- I saw a five year old kid in a baby stroller
1: the other day. Oh, well, at least he wasn't I was on a five leash. Years old. I was, when I was five years old, we're going hiking in the mountains. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Dad would be like, get up, let's go. It's like, you can't come Well, we're doing it. We're
2: doing it to our dog. Do you see baby strollers? Oh, my God. Well, yeah, hold on. Here's the reverse.
1: Here's the reverse.
0: You see dogs in baby strollers, and now I'm starting to see kids on leashes. That is the most yeah, hilarious thing yeah. to me. I see these parents walk around with their kids on Absolutely. a leash. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me right now? You have your child Kent, on a Kent leash? Cat
1: Williams has a funny bit on that. <laughs> <The> Holy <leash. laughs> <Yeah>. Cat <laughs> Williams has a hilarious bit on that. Because he goes, Here's a bunch of white kids in the body. he pretends that the leash is pulling him the other way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man.
1: No, well, you know, I'll, often I see obese people with obese dogs. That's pretty common. Oh, yeah,
2: exactly. Oh, it's yeah. consistent. It's yeah, consistent. There are dogs, because dogs, they're dogs in there. Their
1: children reflect their diet
0: as well. I mean yeah. a lot of oh. times you're gonna see if you see an overweight parent, a lot of times you're gonna see an overweight child. Absolutely. Yeah. So you can't even use the reasoning. 100%. Would you feed your child? I mean, would you feed yourself what you would feed your child? You can't use that reasoning anymore. You know, you so you could say that, like, would you give this food to your child? Then why would you eat it? Now you can't say anymore. Because they're like, Hell <laughs> no. yeah, give it to them. A little, but a little bastard better eat it and be thankful. Little kids in Africa are starving. They want this. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't want that. <laughs> they
2: don't yeah. want that. The little kids in Africa will take all the gluten they could eat, trust me. <laughs> exactly. And guess what?
0: They'll still <laughs> right. be thinner than
1: you.
2: Okay. Yeah, they'll be healthier. They'll beat you at a marathon any day of the week, yeah, too. they're a Messiah, so they'll jump higher most, than
1: you. Most Africans live on something called ugali. Yeah, yeah, based and, and cassava, which is nothing but just starch. Yeah. With yeah, cassava exactly. and yeah. bananas
0: each day, especially in Kenya. And you don't and
1: you don't see any obesity among those people. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> despite no. their grain-heavy diets, so you don't goes, see any obesity whatsoever. Goes and they the can caveman squat.
0: theory. In well, <laughs> full
1: spots too. Exactly.
0: There goes the caveman theory on that one. To my, obviously, <laughs> yeah. obviously that's a different set of ancestors. So there, therefore, your paleo diet doesn't work for me
1: and my brown skin. Okay, well, but, well, uh, uh, just uh, just that whole thing is we we wouldn't have we wouldn't have survived as a species if we were that if, if we just couldn't adapt. If, we, if our ability yeah. to adapt was so poor.
2: Exactly. We're, we're, we're the most adaptable mechanism on the planet, the most resourceful at the top of the food chain. And and somehow, something I was thinking about, talking about is, and it's something I'll be writing about soon, is we're a cake and eat it to society. Right. And we're talking about how bad the food is, that manufacturers of food make food bad. And they try to blame high fructose sor- corn syrup a, a, you know, a aspartame, sucralose, so, which is complete nonsense. I mean, it would be difficult to kill anyone with that stuff. I've tried. But, 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 the fact of the matter I is. I heard that about you, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Heard about your soft gig there. <laughs> yeah. So, so the thing is, that I, I, there's, there's someone locally who pisses me off here as a kind of a medical huckster. You like stick his
1: sticks with aspartame?
2: <laughs> well, he said, he'll, he'll quote, he'll say, aspartame. Is there a neurotoxin? And I'm like, every picture you've taken of a woman on Facebook has Botox in her face. <laughs> right, right. Which is, is one of the deadliest neurotoxins on the planet. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, it, it's, it's the cake and eat it too society where we could be driving outside of Vegas and go to one of those big gas stations they have. Sure. And we could basically make a full meal. We're a reasonably meal, not the one we really want. You get like a lean cuisine, get a nice cup of coffee, get a couple of protein bars. Not a bad meal. Get you to the next stop, but and, and that convenience comes with a price. So you could also go in there with ten bucks and buy ten thousand calories. You could buy double donuts. You could buy ice creams, sure. all that stuff, and a big Slurpee, and go out and have ten thousand calories and the convenience of it. So we're somehow being critical of the abundance and convenience we have with the best medical care on the planet here. Right. And then saying, well, I don't believe in doctors. I go to my acupuncturist or my energy <laughs> doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, which I have huge problems with that. And then food, the food supply is bad. The FDA is bad. The person fighting the most against the FDA, and I'm not going to name names again because they're going to catch up to <laughs> me is vitamin manufacturers. And they'll say, we don't need the FDA. Why? Because they want to produce and make claims for anything possible in terms of vitamins. Sure. And they want to get wealthy. And if you look at most supplements, and look down through the label, you'll find that one ingredient they all have. It's called greed. They, they can't make enough money. I mean, it's when people say big pharma, I say, well, big nutrition.
1: I oh, don't know, Tom. I'm just I'm looking at my tea booster right now. I don't see greed on the label. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, see greed on any of my products. Where is it? Hey, hey, are you saying? <laughs> so yeah, that, that whole thing with
0: the like the vitamin. So yeah, that whole thing with the vitamin industry and the FDA—that's that's called no honor amongst
1: thieves, right there.
0: That's what they call yeah, it. It's like, yeah. hey, how, how dare the FDA make more money than I make? So that's what it,
1: they're fighting. Well, here, here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. Okay, they, they, I, I mean, yes, yes, the, the, a lot of supplements want to be completely unregulated so they can run free, no doubt about it. But the FDA is also in the big pocket. Is yeah, in the pocket exactly. of big farm. I mean, come on. So, I mean, the big farm and FDA work hand-in-hand, hand. and and I yeah. do have a big problem with well, that.
2: But remember that. Supplement supplement companies have lobbyists, too.
1: No, you're absolutely correct. It's a big, big rack all around. Yeah, like like you said, said this comes down, down to, a to no
0: honor no, no amongst thieves, yeah. amongst, amongst both of them. You know, no, no. Yes, a, yes, yes I agree made. with that.
1: There's a lot of money to be made, no doubt about it. The greed is going to be a huge factor, and the best interest of the consumer is not going to be top of the list. Not all. Right, right. But when we have advertisements on television, and this is a new phenomenon because growing up, we never had advertisements for For drugs drugs. to go ask the doctor about. So well, why why am I seeing an advertisement for a drug to go bring up to my doctor? That's my doctor's job to bring that up to me if it's something I should take. That's
0: like well, so a I, client yeah. showing up, hey, let me suggest some exercises for you today.
1: You know that you can run through the class. Like, wait a minute, are you coming to me with oh, with yeah. the programs? I walked my doctor's office he's like, hey, I saw a commercial. I saw you know my mood's been kind of off, and I saw this uh, commercial during Law and Order about antidepressants. Well, can you tell me more about that?
2: Yeah, <laughs> you know, here's here's a little known fact. I, w- I was in the theater business nearly 30 years as a technical side and, um, stage hand. And in part of that job is when there's big conventions in town, you work audiovisual. right? So it went from being slides years ago for doctors into PowerPoint now. So there it's, it's gigantic operation. It's mind boggling to see all these meeting rooms going. And then in Vegas is of course the capital of that. And Atlanta is very big in Orlando. Yeah. So I would attend a lot of medical conventions and, um, the meetings sometimes weren't just about the medicine, they were about marketing. Mm -hmm. And this whole trend, for example, in dentists, and this is 1983 maybe, was they were changing from they go in and pull out five teeth and you just die, you're bleeding in the chair, and you don't want to go back to the dentist, to the whole mentality of nickel and diming you to death and say, do a little gentle cleaning and a little x-ray, then come back and get a little touch-up and come back. So rather than a, a, a fast dime, you got a slow nickel. Right, right. And, and what is when you attend these things? They are marketing seminars. So, how does a chiropractor market his business? How does a dermatologist market his business? So, it's the same thing with the drug manufacturers because we did Pfizer down here. How do you present Pfizer, which is their number one moneymaker, is Viagra? Sure. How how do you market this so it's not embarrassing? You make it fun pill. You put attractive people up. Same thing Coca-Cola does. Right, right. And and so you're seeing these drug advertisements, and you're going to walk in and write it down. And the poor little old ladies have the problems. Walk in, written down, and hand it to the doctor. And the doctor's, yeah, we're aware of this, but one of the side effects is dryness of mouth, or coughing, or you can't have it because your cholesterol's high, or something like that. But it's it is, like I said, no honor among thieves and everybody either you level the playing field by not having lobbyists that find some other way
1: right but no but the, the, be- the viagra one's an interesting one because what they did is change a lot of language you know before viagra it was called impotence right when you had that issue yeah. after viagra was erectile dysfunction where it's like hey are you ready to finally go talk to your doctor about this you know yeah. you're just yeah. like this guy it's okay go talk to your doctor about it you know yeah they make them Sexier than make them. He's gonna go get them after work, and then uh, see Alice. You have a couple where they're in separate bathtubs. (laughs) It's like, well, tell you what, if you guys get in the same bathtub, might you might not need to (laughs) tell.
2: Yeah, they they did not hire the the best advertising company, apparently. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting, and it's all part of the aging thing. uh, Look at HRT nowadays. Right, 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 right. Um, It is just booming. Down here is booming. Uh, it's booming oh, yeah. worldwide. Yeah, worldwide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> I mean, they got Groupon seven.
0: specials for it now. I mean, you, you see it on Groupon Amazing. now. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you like getting half off of that? Come on, man. So, yeah, it, it's, it's booming.
2: Ab- it's absolutely, and the, the amount of people who aren't qualified to do it is astonishing. So the average mm. person, just like fitness, they read Zumba, lose 30 pounds, look at the Zumba instructor's ass. I want an ass like that. They join. They don't go to Mike Mueller workshop they don't go to Sin- Sincere's workshop and so forth they hear Zumba see the advertisement attached to it same thing HRT down here you have radiologists yeah, that's
1: unfortunate I want some of those Zumba girls to come to the work <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't get them to come to the workshop so we still have some spaces yeah. open for them in September you know? <laughs> we've been trying to fill up the last several spots with them for our, you know, our course in September where are they
2: <laughs> so, so I mean it it's all part of the aging picture, and as the that's baby boomers get older, the advertising's thrust towards that generation, which is the biggest generation. And it, it, it's interesting to watch it change. It's it's certainly and just in, in, that's why I find the expendable – I I think I think, the, I think the key is finding the balance
1: there, right? I mean, T R T is useful for some people. You know, yeah. it's, it's over-prescribed right now. I don't, I don't disagree with that. But for some people, it makes a huge difference when their their hormones are out of whack. They've they've tried natural approaches. They're not rejuvenating anything, so now they resort to that, and all of a sudden, it's a life changer for them. I mean, they feel great. They got that spark back, and so forth. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, I think it's finding the balance of of a of, of what's what's useful and what isn't. Not over medicating are taking certain supplements when they're useful, but not in the place of doing the larger picture. So it's, it's finding that balance. I think I think the mistake a lot of people make is, especially with supplements, it's very. It's it's very easy to just take everything under the sun. You know, if you read an issue of Life Extension magazine, I always I like Life Extension and I like their magazine, but I often (laughs) don't encourage the average person to read it because if you do,
0: you're gonna think that
1: that you're you're gonna think you need to buy 20 products every time you read it. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I would not. Be recommending people reading that. The, the, the worst or?
0: combination: you're reading a Suzanne Somers' latest book, and then you read <laughs> life extension. You're like. Fuck, I got about fifty supplements I need to buy right now. I'm gonna die tomorrow.
1: Well, I <laughs> you know? always tell people to focus on the big picture. I go, look, you know, you're thinking about buying all these products. What does your diet look like right now? What's right. your sleep like? You know, what's your are you happy with your career, or your relationships? You know, look at look at the big picture and, and remember that supplements are called supplemental for a reason. It's, right. it's, it's help enhance those things, but like, I always tell people when they when they ask me questions about hormone optimization, they go, you know, what are the most important things? I go, well, it's, it's really important to do a job you love and to be around supportive people. And they're, they're almost looking at you like, well, uh, oh, yeah, I, go, I can't back. buy so that. Like, like, what does that have to do with it? I can't you know? order
0: that online. Well, in some places you can. <laughs> I, cause I just saw a I, documentary, I thanks to Mike, called Email, email Order Brides. And uh,
1: <laughs> you can actually go, get right. that online. <laughs> I go, you, I mean, it doesn't matter what you take. Even TRT, if you don't have those things addressed, It is not going to make any big difference. I mean, you have to look at what the big picture is because before before I got into this line of work, which is my big passion, being in the fitness industry, I I wasn't a real happy camper, man. I always had that moderate depression. I never was excited. Mm -hmm. Woke up each day, had a good job, was making decent money, but uh, on top of that, I didn't have good people in my personal life either. So it was was two things compounding that when. When both of those things changed, or when I made it change, that had a, a dramatic impact on my well-being, my mood, and everything else.
2: Well, it's it certainly, what you said, and, and I use that as an example, is the first thing, Mike, they say, oh, Mike, Moore is going to talk about hormones. What's he going to talk about? I said, the things you should be taking care of, first. take care of the simple stuff first. I see it all the time. Right the guy says, oh, I'm tired. I fall asleep on the couch. Oh, get your yeah. hormones checked. I'm like, you're 50 pounds overweight, you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, You, you, you exactly. sleep. You look like Bane when you sleep. you got a mask on <laughs> when you sleep. Look and sound
1: like that. No, but that's also a good point, Tom, is the fact that someone, right. someone is really overweight and they're going, where do I get the hormone testing done? I go, you don't need to get it done. <laughs> you right. already failed it. <laughs> I, can, I can look at you and tell you what's going on. You've got your whole yeah. body weight. You're a man and you're holding body weight like an overweight woman. You're clearly estrogen dominant. But the bottom yeah. line is, is – is you're overweight, man. So get on a clean diet, start training. A lot right. of problems you have will relinquish, or right. will be completely gone when you address the big picture. So you're right. You're right. And it's easy to get distracted by the minutia, though. I think we've all been guilty of that.
2: Well, it's it's funny too because the average person, the advice you need to give the average person on the program is pretty simple. Right. When you get a more sophisticated athlete, you get a guy in the bodybuilding or for real performance. They like to nitpick and micromanage things. They sure. have joy. Like I have a guy out in L.A. now. I've had him a long time, and he's in the body. It's not going to be a bodybuilder. But he likes the lifestyle. And he, we might we'll talk about micromanaging the difference between toasted sesame oil and macadamia nut oil on foods. <laughs> right. So, so I'm like, you know, come on. I mean, it's not a big issue. We'll discuss it. But he likes, he likes that game. He likes, well, what difference between like, like uh, grass fed beef and corn fed? What's the, you know. I'm like, it's not really, at the end of your life, it's probably not going to make a whole lot of difference.
1: Mm.
2: You know, measure your protein, measure your macros, get your sleep, show me your sleep every week on your, that's what it counts. But they like to micromancer. The average person that just stopped shoving things down their pie hole and move around more, that solve all their problems. Right. And, and it's really, literally that simple. Move more, eat less. You heard it years ago. Sure, you can adjust the macros and get the protein and back it up with some supplements and fish oil and things like that. That's, that's. That's well known. But sure. the fact of the matter is people just don't move enough. They expect magic to happen in a short way. It took 20 years to put on. They want to take it off in 20 days. They, they don't know the difference between weight and fat. They'll say, I want to lose some pounds. So, well, you want to lose some fat. They say, oh, I don't care where it comes from. <laughs> oh boy. So, so, so now you yeah, have this long education process yeah. right, and, right. and a lot of people, it isn't even short attention span theater. It's whatever person they spoke to last. Is an expert. Well, so you spend with a. Last,
0: yeah.
2: Right. So you uh, go with a dear friend and you talk to them for hours about what to eat. You go to the grocery store, maybe you cook them a meal, sit down with them, talk to him. And then they, they come walking in. They go, Tom, you're, you're going to love this. I go, well, what's going on? I said, I was at the gas station. <laughs> and the guy next to me said, sure. you know, like the amount of like uh, stoplights in Las Vegas is correlated with, you know, the rent or something. It, it's. <laughs> Right. So you can make you, know, you can make those things they're just they're very bad but they're very persuasive
1: sure sure
2: population studies like oh the Japanese don't get heart disease sure they do it's it's dishonorable to say in Japan that you supposedly had a heart disease like a stress-oriented disease I'd rather have like a stroke in the brain say it was stroke cardiovascular slash stroke because having a stroke is an honorable disease meaning you're using your head too much yeah, right. So the cause of death is, 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 is and, and then there's little,
1: other and then there's other problems out there such as some of the highest depression levels, especially among yes. the youth.
2: Suicides, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, we yeah. we
1: often like to believe that there's someone else that's gotta to get together better. It's like, oh right. everyone over here is doing this. There's so much healthier, let's look at what they're doing.
2: Well they and they always said about Europe. Much murkier than that. Sure. Everything's sure. everything's better in Europe. And I'm like, I'm I'm not against Europe, but I'm like, why people leave, <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right.
2: They, they wanted a challenge. They wanted new, newness. They wanted a expression and so forth. So it, it, if you have a foreign accent, you're automatically a genius. You know that, don't you? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's why. Besides, like, whole- like
1: that one commercial that talks about how old villains have British accents, and <laughs> yes. I broke yeah. down all these reasons why. I was pretty funny. <laughs> you,
2: you find you find a Mike Muller with a French accent. The guy is a billionaire. I tell you.
1: <laughs> you know. What if, if I think- start talking with an Indian accent? That's never. That, 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 that'll work. Yeah. <laughs>
2: It'll, well, make you, it'll make
1: you 10 times smarter, Mike. You know like?
2: yeah, it's, it's, always, it's always the truth. And, and uh, in my, my old business, it was that way. Someone came in and they spoke in a foreign accent. And they were known to do this. Oh, my God, the guy's a genius. I'm like, genius? He grew up on the streets. I'm like, so, so we, we tend to think the, the grass is always greener. And there, there's a book, I think, called The Blue Zones, mm-hmm. and it's about people who live the longest. Right, yeah. And it, there's a consistent theme. That's where correlation works because you could go in for a while, measure everything, and then see what kind of stacks up. And that's really the way you should compare anything. If you look at it like, oh, you're going to be a kettlebell lifter, and you're going to overlap it with weight training, don't look at what contradicts. Look what's very similar.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Look what's similar. You have bench press uh, deadlift, okay, you have a squat, so you have a goblet squat, you have a swing, you have an overhead press. They kind of match up. But right. one's more endurance-oriented, one's more limit strength-oriented. Right. So when you look at populations, how much do they eat in carbohydrate? You find it. it's a very rich carbohydrate diet. Do they eat adequate protein and animal protein? Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Do they drink coffee or tea? Yes, they do. Do they have wine? Alcoholic beverages? Mm-hmm. Yes, they do, but it's in moderation with good family structure, adequate activity, reduction in stress. Right. All those things work, and those are all the blue zones. So when you recommend a diet, it's so displaced in the world. It's that accessible. We're a land of abundance, and in a way, it's a, it's a benefit. It's kind of cool, hospitals down the street, cars, sure. but there's a downside. But we want to blame that abundance for our human flaws, our mental flaws, which is right. really bad thinking. It's really skewed. That's the problem in terms of fitness. Getting older or anything is the skewing say, Oh, I'll be having my knee replacement in a few years. I'm like, what? I'm like, or oh, oh, that's about time I'll have my hip replacement. Why? Well, this hip hurts. Well, why is it hurt? I fell on it 10 years ago and you're like, well, what is that? You know, did you rehab it? Did you do anything for it? No. Well, have you considered it? Oh, the doctor said I was fine. Oh, Jesus. Well, that's you know, funny. when
1: my when my brother, he had a really bad paragliding accident years ago, and he was in the hospital for a while, and he said he, he, he overheard a lot of conversations among people who had amputations because they had really poor healthy lifestyles, right? Poor diet, they smoked yep. a lot, so the bone growth wasn't going to come back, and it was weak, and so that's why they had to have it. And, and they, they didn't even blink an eye on it either. And yep. then there were some people where the doctor said that, they they're they're not willing to do all the rehab. They'd rather just walk with a GIMP or a cane for the rest of their life rather mm-hmm. than go through all that rehab. Well, my brother did every rehab exercise he had to do yeah. and made a hundred percent recovery. No no he has a scar, but no lamp, nothing, no decrease in quality of life. He could go paragliding again if he wanted to. So I said so I th- I think a lot of it also is this learned helplessness.
2: Yeah, yeah. We we, we, we validate through injuries. It's like something right, to talk right. about. When I grew up, I grew up in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. A lot of old uh, ethnic people there. Sure. So you'd be a little kid, oh, we're going to go visit these people. You, you had no choice in those days; it was like being a prisoner. So you get you know, handcuffed in a car, and you drive, and you sit and watch a static black and white TV, really bad. Hopefully, like wrestling was on, but it'd be really bad black and white. You just sit there in a the corner, and the adults would talk about their illnesses, and then sit in the corner and say, "Oh, last week I had the worst. This. I went to the doctor, and he gave me these t- and I'm, I remember at that time, my, my sister, she's a nurse, and I'm like, I said, are they sick all the time? She goes, let's get out of here. She goes, that's all they can talk about. That's all they have to talk about. They didn't have engaging lives. So they validate through illnesses. And like I said, someone, oh, I'm going to take your leg off. You know, Unless you're a, a, you know, a, a wounded veteran or you're in like a Boston bombing and it's a right. compromise of walking with a limp or getting a prosthetic limb and running running in sprints and things like that, then that's a huge lifestyle change, but it's a heroic change. But people say, well, oh, I limp and they have no problem with it. I'm like, God damn, have some pride. You know, what happened? Is there something wrong with being healthy and looking good? I I that that's just it's shocking to me. It's literally shocking. And that that's the hardest thing to overcome in in fitness that people are willing to uh have a standard that's lower than even their their quality of life is down. Mm. But they use it as like a, a some sort of billboard.
1: Yeah. It's like a badge of honor. Right.
2: Yeah. It's like, a, it's, uh, ask me about Herbalife or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah, that, that's true though. You know, it's sad, but true. It's sad, but true. It, it gives, it gives people, it's like a water cooler conversation type scenario. We yeah. have something to talk about It's like, Oh, you got your hip replacement mm-hmm. coming up? Yeah. I just have mine. So I'm getting my knee next week. Yeah, me too. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right.
2: Yeah. Well, this, ha- this happened in a gym. I, I worked at a gym down, it's down to the ocean. and. Uh, it was, it's a wealthy, nice end of town. Mm-hmm. And I remember people coming in. I was in my mid twenties then and someone came in there and they said, Oh, they were getting, um, skin graft on their nose. Too much sun. And they go, Oh, it's happy. I'll get a little skin graft here. And they were a very fit, active person traveled a lot, well to do. And they go, Well, you know what it is after 40 patch, patch, patch. Now I'm like 27 at the time. I'm like, Oh God, that's 13 years away. <laughs> this, this sucks donkeys. You know, I'm like, this is awful. And, and and I realized it's just, they might have had a harder use. That's certainly possible. Mm-hmm. But it's a, me- a mental state. I mean, we are in a couture fought till he was 47 yeah. years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always remember that, you know, when you get up in the morning. <laughs> he got his butt in the gym, bones with, what, 30-plus years. If he's 47, he's been wrestling since he's probably 14. Yeah. And he got his ass in the gym and, and did a movie and worked out. And, and so forth and, and, and competed at 47 in the ring. And, uh, it, it, that's the mentality. My, one of my mentors is one of my martial arts instructors, her, um, uh, Harold Koenig. Harold is 78, was born in Soran, literally in the jungle. And he has been boxing since 1957. Still hits the bag every day, still skips rope, does Indonesian martial arts. Uh, he's a master drummer. He is a master flamenco guitar player. He is a hypnotherapist, a Ph.D. in social psychology, speaks seven languages, and I would put him in an over 40 boxing match with anyone. And he's about 150 pounds.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and and it's one of my and just dear friend, deeply spiritual, and and that is my motivation. The way he can move on the ground, he gets down the ground, crawl. He'll eat you alive. He'll eat you alive. And he just doesn't set mental limits on it. He'll joke once in a while, my ankle hurts or my shoulder hurts and stuff like that. But he just does what he can. He gets up and he says, my first responsibility, he gets up, is to my my spirit. So he does Qigong. Then he plays the guitar a while. Secondly, I'm a musician. That's good for my heart and soul. He plays his music. Then he goes, then I am an athlete. Then he trains. Then he says, I'm with my family, because I have to have those first things intact before I become a man of the family, because that's who I am. And that's what he does every day, every day. He's a remarkable man. And the fact is, when I have people like that, they'll look up to and, and are always excited about the next project. That's, that's true. That's true. Helpful aging. Like I said, the old part's going to be there. He's well, also.
1: That's, that's such an important point in the fact that we, it's important that all of us see examples or be examples of that as well for other people. Right. Because if you, if all you have is what's around you, that means that's your reality. So, I mean, yeah. if you're 25 and everyone around you at 40 is broken down and overweight and mm-hmm. poor, poor mood, why would you think that won't be your reality right. if that's all yeah. you see?
2: Yeah. So, certain, it's like, like, um, Steve Maxwell, you just had on recently very good interviews, and Steve, was at age 47, he went to, when he was still living in Philly, he went to Albert Einstein Hospital and got put on a heart monitor, got tested for endurance, and he I, I think he broke the record for a Croatian boxer who held the record there, and he was 47 for for the ability to, to, to you know, deal with stress, cardiovascular stress, because right. all the mm-hmm. circuit training he done. So most people at 47 wouldn't even comprehend it. He looks upon it as a challenge at <laughs> that age. Right. There are appropriate challenges for him now. His travel schedule, working out. You adapt your training. As you age, you become, you become Well, One, one thing age. about
1: Steve is he has very young energy. Exactly. Yes. And When you talk to Steve Maxwell, he still has to have that kind of gleam in his eye about learning stuff. and yeah, about He's things. still that yeah. curious yeah.
0: child. That curiosity yeah. is, hasn't died. Yeah. I think that's where – when the curiosity dies, everything else in your life follows soon right after that it's so so uh, true when when you're hanging out with
1: yeah when you're hanging out with steve you don't feel like you're hanging out with someone like when i first met him i was i think i was only 28 and steve was 48 something like that and he's a he's a fun guy to be around man you know you didn't you felt like you were hanging out with someone your age because he's got that real youthful energy
2: hey it was a funny i I met him in san diego and we were on a beach walk up Hey, confirm Steve. So it's our talking. So next thing, I got the wooden knives out. We're disarming each other. <laughs> not your story. Yeah. And so they go lunchtime. We will go get lunch. Yeah. So Steve was in the real low carb at the time, and so was I. So we had, we walked in and to a little little bar. So Plaza is like a surfing thing there, like where you could surf on land. Believe it or not. Mm. So we walk into this little bar, and we had a duel over low carb food. So he said, "I'll take two Chibis burgers, no buns." And I said, make mine turkey burgers, no buns. <laughs> then he says like Diet Coke ice. I said Diet Coke no ice <laughs> and, and, and yeah yeah we, we, and, and let, let's be
1: honest tom you said no ice just to be a little bit different than <laughs>
2: oh yeah yeah uh, <laughs> you that
1: who drinks a diet coke without ice Come I, just, on. Don't, I know i no. like i gotta say something here to be different
2: <laughs> yeah then in the background we like you said a little bit of uh good to bad and the ugly music kind of picked up a little bit then you know when no he kind right. of in on our eyes but uh, that was our experience and it was like being with a child like you said he has an enthusiasm for a lot of things, and that enthusiasm to learn new stuff rather than just repeating the old stuff right. is fascinating. I just saw a picture yesterday of Dana Santo, who I mentioned earlier is Bruce oh. Lee's training partner. He's he's yeah. seven seventy eight. So he was at a, he's probably done 50 or 100 martial arts. And I mean, at 67, he started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Mm. He took 1,200 private lessons from Higgin Machado of wow. the Machado brothers, and eventually he is a third degree black belt now under the Machado brothers. And so you think, wow, isn't that enough? All this stuff, Kali, Silat, Prince of Prenzavat, Muay Thai, um, uh, Bruce Lee's martial arts, uh, Wing, all these different things. And I saw a picture of him and Jeff Amata, who's, the, who's a student and a major uh a stunt coordinator in Hollywood. He did um Book of Eli, uh Born Ultimatum, those sort of hmm. things. Um Jeff Amata and he we're at studying Russian martial arts with Martin Wheeler in Beverly Hills. So here he is again. He's credited. He's taught for decades at the highest possible level model. He's one of my teaching models. The way he teaches and a lot of what I, the way I teach and approach it is the way I've seen him do it because I think he's the model teacher for many of us. And, uh, he's taking Russian. He's starting as a beginner. Go in there. Okay. Kick my ass. Come on. Move me around. Hit me. I want to see what it feels like. He's doing that now at 78. That's happening. Now see, his parents lived uh, like over a hundred.
1: Hmm.
2: So he has a nice gene pool and he's taken a share of injuries. He's fallen hurt. He had a bad back for traveling so much for a long time and he started, he cured it with yoga. Basically, he got into with a yoga instructor. I think it was six and Gracie suggested yoga and a Machado brother started him with yoga and he had a yoga instructor because his, his back was miserable from being on airplanes constantly every weekend. He'd do 50 weeks a year. Easy, 50 weeks. And it was, it was murder, but he rehabbed himself, and he's still doing it. And and once again, that's that's just another model I see his level of teaching, his level of knowledge, his recall of names from the 1960s. You know, uh, it's it's fascinating, and I think it's, it's not only good, obviously, with the body, but you want to keep your brain that sharp, too, because that's, that's the next frontier, certainly.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, to contrast everything you're saying, there's, there's people that are in their 20s, and they're just not interested in anything. They have that old man energy, right? Like, nah, I don't want to do that. No, nah, I don't want to do that. They just they just want to coast. They just want to watch a lot of TV, drink beer with their buddies at the bar. Yeah. They have a job that's boring as sin. They just deal with it. So, I mean, and then, like you said, you could be 70 and have that exuberance and trying new things and, and constantly evolving. You can be very young and already have that that old, stagnant energy.
2: Well, I think one of the main things is you've got to do things to make you feel uncomfortable with stretch. Mm, Anthony Robbins right. said that. Arnold said that, stay hungry. I mean, it was a novel. Obviously, it was the bar, but he said that's <laughs> his yeah. philosophy. I mean, if Arnold's proved anything, it's if, if you take performance-enhancing drugs, you could be a champion athlete, a world's famous actor, and governor of California. So, little kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know.
1: uh,
2: but uh, truthfully, you stay hungry. you you're like, okay, the political thing's over. I'm going to go make movies again. I'm going to get back in shape. Make movies. Right. Yeah. And of course it's there, but you your success stacks one on top of the other.
1: Yes, that's what I always like to say is I go use every success to create more success. And it could be in totally different genres. You could be yeah. a successful marketer and you use that to become a successful fitness person and then you use that to become a successful author and it just keeps going on and on. You know, one thing, one person that kind of sticks out to me and because I've been listening to his podcast recently is Ice T. And I, I've been a fan of ice when he was a rapper, and then mm-hmm. he, he that was starting to decline, and he evolved into an actor, and then he got the show, mm-hmm. LA, he got the uh, Law & Order show, yeah. and he's written books, he's done lectures, and now he's doing a podcast. So the guy is always doing something new. Yeah. I, I've always found that he's a good example of take success and parlay mm-hmm. it into more success.
2: I, I like what he, he showed back when he was in. I saw his show. He was in the military and so forth. How I basically saved him and this and that. Right, right. But but, and I, like I said, I wasn't a fan before. I'd seen him. I saw actually he showed up on my theater where I worked one time wandering mm. through. But um, what I noticed watching the show is his observational skill. And he, he looks at things no matter what, whether he's doing it or his wife's doing it. His ability to pick out and discern details that mm. make the difference is extremely powerful um she is that uh clothing line cocoa called licious <laughs> and and instead delicious licious so they they fly out to vegas and they or they're in a the big plant you know big hot plant so a guy comes by with a box her rep puts it out breaks out the the pink things in the book picks it out and she's oh these are wonderful they're wonderful and he picks up looks at the label and says the label says Licious. said what they missed the letter well the letters, the label say Licious. change all the labels and I was like, wow, that's that's iced tea. That sums up why he's he could pick out those details on the fly faster than anyone in the room. That's part of his success. Mm. And and I so She's like I give you guys this so here, someone's gonna squat. You say, okay, here immediately you walk into a room and you're gonna pick out pick apart their squat, their deadlift gonna pick out where they stretch a hamstring, where their neck position is, where their arm position is. Those are the details you learn with experience that make you right. successful and get successful students who don't hurt themselves. And it's the same thing in any type of of, of like football players, watch fights. The guy's hand should have been here, should have been there. Right and things like that. That that's it's uh either you can learn that skill, you can be born with that skill and certainly it's probably a little bit of both.
1: Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, Tom, what are you working on right now? You said you were, before we started recording today, you said you're working on a book.
2: Yeah, uh, the book is going to be called, I I stole a little bit of an old 70s exploitation movie title. Oh yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, It is called um, Bamboo Gods, Iron Men, and Rubber
1: Bands. (laughs) Now, what's this all
2: about? Well, it's basically the modes of training to fix body parts. I go through all the body parts, Mm. and I find things. Not only the developmental, but it's developmental to help things. Some things need stretch. They're very difficult to stretch. Something needs strengthen. I go through the theories of stretching, and then I add some of my own theories in there how to use them together and about strengthening these ranges of motion. And um, the title, Bamboo Gods and Iron Man, was a movie where um, some guy got married and went to Hong Kong, and he got a magic amulet, and his body was bulletproof, okay? And he finds a little tiny sidekick. So there's your bamboo gods. So I like that part of it, but it kind of expressed what I wanted to say. Bamboo gods being, I, I bring an Asian flavor, Southeast Asian flavor. It's like my background in martial arts. Iron gods, a little bit of the weight training, obviously. And rubber bands means, obviously, we use jump stretch bands. We use tubing, things like that. But it's just it's such a cheap apparatus. Things right. don't have to be. Simple things work. Barbells sure. work. Kettlebells sure. work. Chinning bar works. Right. So. So fundamentally, is, I always want to keep – you don't need magical certifications. You don't need magical equipment, expensive equipment. Everything's pretty cheap. So I'm setting the book up like that. But the example I use is growing up, maybe grandpa said, you kids get in the back of the truck. We're going to go down a bumpy road through a meadow or field. And you got in, and you sat around the edge of the truck bed, and grandpa hit a pothole. And what happened? Someone would flip over backwards and fall out of the truck. <laughs> right, and or it was grass, it was dirt, and you landed, and you cried, and what, Grandpa? Did he go out there and call paramedics or look at his insurance policy? No, get back in the truck, you idiot. <laughs> right. And And you got bruises, you got hurt, but you lived through it. So the philosophy being what I call durability is ability to take uh, punishment or withstand, you know, stress to the body and live through it. Not that that's a regular diet that those things happen, whether a car accident. Slipping and falling, competing in any type of sport from basketball, MMA, anything you're going to compete in where you're going to bump in the bodies. But essentially making the body stronger at the extremities, the extreme ranges of motion, the tough areas, the rotator cups, the, the hip rotators, the neck, the jaw, strengthening all these things, basically trying to make you hard to kill. And so that's the philosophy of the book, and it's probably close to 100 exercises and drills. Some people are familiar with, some aren't. I've modified most of them and changed them biomechanically somewhat, put a new flavor, maybe added weight to them. And if I pulled them from someone, I admit it. I'm one of these people. When I go to a workshop and I say, oh, yeah, this, this is Steve Maxwell. Oh, this is Mike Muller's version of it. Mike, Outside the legs, you swing. That's Mike Muller. Then I say, i swing between the legs. Mike says, "When well, no, I try swinging outside the legs. But I always give credit where credits due. That's yeah,
1: you uh, know, I picked up. Uh, I was influenced by Green Ghost, who you mentioned earlier, because he yeah. was a big fan of doing yeah. those outside between outside the feed. And I remember chit-chatting with him on Iron Garm about that. I was like, oh, I'll try that out. So yeah. I, to, I actually made a point of giving him a plug on my video with that. So I mean, that's, that's an important thing too, I think, is to, to give credit where credit is due. And I think a lot of people realize, that they don't realize that that just makes you more credible, not less yes. credible. Because yeah. people are going to find out stuff and they're going to go, huh, I thought you, I thought you said, you said you made that up and I just right. did a little research and it turns out this guy's been doing it for 10 years before you did. How come you didn't true, give
2: him credit? True story, true story about that. And, and it's, I don't hold this against anyone, but um, oh, sure. maybe, maybe, Six years ago, Scott Sonnen came out and he said the number one kettlebell exercise for ground grapplers. And he says, it's a one quarter get up. So you do one quarter of a get up. Basically you twist the body, go to sit up in that position. And I'm like, really? The number one exercise, of course, his, his marketing strategies in his realm was like a giant kingdom versus my little, my little, uh, cup of coffee and caught in a corner. So, uh, I, I write him a letter and I go, go look at this article. It's like 2002 or 2003 on Door website. And the same exercise I put in there because I had been playing around with it. We're 2002. You and I are up in frozen Minneapolis practicing. Yeah, right, right, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was pretty funny. You know, middle of winter doing push-ups in the snow and all that stuff. <laughs> but, <laughs> and then I practice a quarter get-up and I said, wow, this is pretty good exercise. It's really ab-intensive. So I wrote it, I wrote it, you know, Paul was like, write us articles, write us articles. Of course, you want a lot of material for the website. It's great for the website, great Mm for the company. Sure. But, but, but it it got your writing chops on. All of us got our writing chops there. And so I I wrote an article and I included it. I gave it to Scott's on and, and it, you know, predates them by a long time. And he he just looked at me, he just wrote me back and said, well, I guess great minds think alike. And,
1: (laughs) but. You're you're like, not in this case because only one of us has a great mind.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. The fact is, you know, it's probably been done before. It doesn't mean it's been exploited before. Right,
1: right, um, right.
2: Um, there was a, a, a kickboxing coach back in L.A. back in the 70s named Jerry Smith. And Jerry Smith heard that Dan and Santo used drum beats to train to. It's very traditional in Southeast Asia. Yeah, sure. right. He said, well, you, you train the music. You go, yeah, good for the rhythm. Well, what do you do? Well, we do it in one section jerry i think had been a dj jerry smith he was a bodyguard he was a uh, partners with my one of my other instructors clip Stewart. and so he he, had, he he cut a whole like hour workout in the music r&b music so you're gonna realize in the 70s right after kickboxing got started which is 74 75 and he cut it together put in footwork skipping rope bag work and so forth so the music made things go quicker and so what he did is he took an idea from Dan and DeSanto, who he gave credit to, but he exploited it further.
0: Right.
2: So it's just like, it, uh, it's like Jeff Martone. Oh, they juggle in Russia. Let me try the juggling. Let me exploit this. I'm going to work with it. And that's the beauty of the creative mind. You could take any tool and get a lot more out of it. The carpenter gets more out of a hammer than a novice right. who will get blisters, right? So you take anything. You take body weight training. I wrote, um, armor of war. I wrote that a little short book, I gave both of you guys that book and it's a 40 short mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Everyone does body weight. At the very end, I list every possible resource on bodyweight training I've ever seen, which is like a hundred at the end. I said, Here there are other good places. But it was an idea. Jack Reap, the powerlifting champion who's in the Air Force, mm-hmm. sure. Jack Jack gave me an idea, I wrote an article on T Nation, and then I, I kind of expanded on an idea. Pablo actually said something. Said, What would you do with one arm motions? He goes, Well, you'd do this and that. And he really never expounded. It was about one sentence, literally. So I kind of tossed it around in my head. And I said, the problem with most people is they want to make material very proprietary. Either do it my way or the highway. Right. So I just said, there's nothing sacred in any of these steps. Change any one you want. So there's like eight or ten levels to each bodyweight exercise. Go through. If you, you can't do number three, skip the four. If you want to stay at four, Add weight to your body. There's nothing sacred about body weight versus a weight vest. It's not going to change anything. And, and so that was like the innovation is I ran with the idea of body weight training. I didn't try to discredit weight training as it, as convict conditioning did and say weight training will hurt you. I said body weight training doesn't have any posterior activity like a deadlift or a clean or a swing. So I said you have three choices. You you could swing a kettlebell. They're, they're a lot cheaper than they used to be. You could use a jump stretch band and do good mornings, or you could do a deadlift program, which I I put one in the book. And and so rather than make things magical, I use the line all the time, mystery holds more attention than logic. (laughs) Right. And and if you make things mysterious, things like horoscope and Reiki and all these things pop into your life, certainly people are going to be attracted because they're promised magical powers, but all they get is smoke and mirrors. Right and 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 so one thing like we have in common is when we teach the material you don't want to make it magical you know you you want to make be real back it up with facts and back it up with works so i i mean i think that's a very consistent theme and i I try to be real about things and not it's really hard to write copy when you don't want to Sound like
0: a, um, uh, a one of the dip. ads
2: on? You so, I mean, the, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's either one thing or about, the other. The thing yeah, about it's either over the yeah.
0: top, or you you end up saying yeah. like somebody that's trying to discredit those over the top, and then everybody's saying, oh, you are just a hater. You know, you're just angry. Yeah. So it's it's well, one I, or the other. You know, you're trying to
1: decide exactly. I, th- I think the key with writing ad copy because it's something you have to do. A lot of people like to say, well. If you just put out good material, you don't have to market at all, and that's just not true. No,
2: that's not true. You have
1: to, mark, you have to, you have to put out great material, and you have to market well. They're both yes. hand in hand. Yes. Um, and then even if you don't, if you market well, you're going to get your better material out there to more people. But the right. thing, the thing with with ad copy, I always, I always like to think of myself as the consumer. Like, <laughs> you know, what am I going to buy? What am I, what, what would I be, what find appealing? Because I don't like over the top nonsense either. I don't right. like these supplement ads where you've got. Like the best, the most wanted box in town. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's the supplement box right between some girl's legs, and she's got this yeah. look at her face. I go, you know what? This could be yeah. a product, but just because they market it like this, I would never buy it exactly. because it's so yeah. on the top. It's so stupid. Right, that, right. Well, Why do you have to market it this way? But, but give people all the information they need to make a purchasing decision. Mm-hmm. So if this product. Does this, okay, give them all the information they need on why it works, what the benefits will be, customer testimonials, et cetera, frequently asked questions. And then that way they they have everything they need to make a purchasing decision.
2: Right, right. And then, you know, what when we look at testimonials, and they are effective, considering in business you put testimonials up, and the more powerful the person giving the testimony by far, the, the more powerful it is for you. Sure. But in terms of real evidence, scientific evidence, it's 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 anecdote, it's it's worthless. But then you have to go back and think, right? What yeah. does the average public do? They don't go to PubMed like I do. They don't look at PubMed and read PubMed. They believe their neighbor saying, buy a Ford, a Ford'll do you well. So you have to maybe learn to speak their language, and you have to make those compromises as long as you keep, you know, kind of be honest about it. If they're, if they're extreme promises. You're, they, they sound fantastic, but if they're sincere in, in their approach and so forth, you can put the testimonials are valuable because it's basically a referral system. It's a buddy referral, you know.
1: Well, I think a good way to to keep yourself with some integrity is don't don't try to sell anything that you haven't personally benefited from. Mm-hmm. I mean, if whether it's a workout video, is that the way you train? Whether it's a, a nutrition information. Ebook? is that the way you eat is, are you selling supplements do you use those supplements do you, uh, you're teaching kettlebell workshops do you even use kettlebells in your own workouts <laughs> you know right, I mean? right. so you keep a certain level of integrity by promoting stuff that you have personally benefited from rather right. than well you know what that guy's got an affiliate program let me just add that to my website and make a few extra bucks
2: yeah I, I just I have a hard time with uh, people oh you've been approached by you know millions of supplement people. Multi-level marketing people, and I mean, I, how you can put your heart into that is just beyond me. <laughs> and I, I've been offered to like don't, do, don't even get me started on that whole MLM. That's another podcast right there. Yeah, I, I did one. I did. Uh, someone locally asked me, so we're going to do a, a health and fitness expo. I'm like, not big on it. So, okay, well, what's going to be there? And I, I, I swear on my kids' lives, they said we have someone doing body wraps. <laughs> and we, ha- we, we have a palm reader there, <laughs> and I said I'm not going to do it. I said you got you're kidding me. I said it's a joke. They said no. And the person who sold the body wraps was way overweight, and that was their business. So they work. I mean, like, really, they work. Really. <laughs> I'm like I was like I was like it, it was insulting. But then you know once again is I have to consider the source, and not I, I get very not offended by that. I get real pissed off. My anger gets up when people do that. and then I just like. Consider the source. Don't be harsh with them. Just say, no, that's probably not an appropriate place for me. Then leave the place, and then you can make fun of them all you want. Right, right. Because you know, it's insane. Well, I mean,
1: that's the power of no, right? I mean, when you when right. you first start off, I mean, you're just trying to get opportunities. You're trying to get opportunities. Sure, you sure. get to a point where more opportunities are coming than you want to actually pursue or engage yeah. in, and most of them are not worth pursuing. So then you, you spend that's a good amount of your time just saying no to things. And you, yeah. like you said, you can be polite about it. You don't have to be like, screw you. How dare you even come to me with that? Yeah, you know? yeah. Just right. say, hey, no thanks. Move yeah. on. You know, that's the end of that. Right. I, I, think, I, think, I think the way, again, that I think what will legitimize you the most, whether it's our industry or another industry, is are you a product of the advice that you're giving? So if you're talking about how to be more mobile, how mobile yeah. are you? Right. If you're talking right. about how to lift a, a heavy deadlift. You know, what can you do? If you're talking about how to live a fulfilling life, you know, what kind of life are you living? So, I mean, Mm -hmm. if if you're the product of the advice you're giving, that, that will really validate you. But at the same time, if you somehow contrast that advice, now that's, people are going to look at that. They're going to go, well, look, you're talking about how to be, how to, how to, you're talking about how to lose fat and, and be strong and you're a fat ass. Now, that's, right. that's obviously going to invalidate you. Or <laughs> you're talking about how to lift heavy weights, and your your abilities are beyond, are, are way below mediocre. Right. You don't right. have to be the strongest guy in the world, but if you're talking about how to be strong, you have to have you have to have some abilities that the average person is going to find impressive, or, or above average people are going to find impressive.
2: I uh I, I saw Udo Rosmus who uh, yeah sure they had, had him on the show Udo, yeah okay I saw him um several years ago and. Do I expect a guy to walk in with a tap-out T-shirt and big guns and tattoos? No. But he's slender. He's energetic. He's sharp. He's a oh, yeah. fit oh, man. Yeah. And he has a recall that is amazing. He's articulate. And, and he's funny. And that's the guy I wanted to listen to. Yeah. But, I mean, he doesn't have to come in with a tap-out T-shirt and <laughs> <But> sucking <laughs> down the protein drink.
1: In fact, if I
0: see the guy with a tap-out <laughs> yeah, T-shirt, yeah, exactly. I'm going
1: the other way. I'm not listening so to that We guy. don't want to see Udo Ross missing in a tap-out T-shirt and no. tattoos. Uh, anyway, that would
2: be kind no, of no. Funny. <laughs> no, yeah. But And, and the funny thing, that's what I look at now. If, if I In similar circumstances, I've seen people sell diet aids fitness and not be fit they don't have to be a monster they don't have to be the best of the best sure. i've seen them be unfit and try to pull it off and it looks insincere to the people and no, everyone's been so nice to say well why do you carry I no one's done that and you know maybe me in the back of the room but i i just think you're a product of what you do you should represent what you do but totally if you're coaching though people do pay you for your brain you have to think about this. Like Angelo Dundee couldn't box, but he could train Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, and so forth. So you're actually paying him no for the training.
1: No so doubt. So there
2: are there are coaches at certain levels where they don't have to be. Uh, you know, they used to deadlift 700 pounds, maybe not so much anymore. But so that, that, that's fine, though. That's absolutely. a good. thing. You know, we all age, we all change. If you had a, uh, you know, 100 mile an hour fastball, and you're teaching kids how to pitch, that that's a valid thing, and so forth. So, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's what the hucksters with the sales, no matter what they are—fitness devices, multi-level marketing, protein, all the drinks, all that crap—I uh, just have a real problem. I'm like, well, so if,
1: it, if it's multi-level marketing, there's no way it's legitimate. Period. No, no. that one. That one's easy. So you yeah. like, well, you know, there's some because I know they're not. They're all the If you choose that means as a way to distribute your product, then that product is seriously suspect because that is an immoral way to sell a product. Right. Period. Yeah. So anytime someone tries to come at me with network marketing, I don't even want to hear it.
2: I oh, hear I, I, I run. I've, I've been attacked by those people and stuff. With
1: <laughs> and, and, that, that's where you learn how to use all these high-level martial arts together.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's when you start avoiding networking meetings, and I mean regularly oh, business oh. networking where you pay five bucks, go in, you get a little name tag and a drink. And there was a period I was trying to drum up, actually our economic downturn. We had a little adjustment back in like 2008, 2007. Right. And so those got popular, trying to make business. And it was all juice plus guys. And it, it was Trailers. <laughs> what do you do? Oh, training. They look at you. Oh, back to juice plus. And it just, you know, it, it was just a waste of energy. It was very depressing to watch these people go. I mean, to go with like some sort of singles bar thing or something like that. And, and, you learn eventually to stay away. Like in the beginning, you do a lot of things to help benefit your career. Yeah. And a lot of things you don't want. You take on clients you don't want to take on. Right. And, and train people you don't want to take. Maybe you want to eat that week, but th- that's just because it makes you enjoy the ones that you um that you like training. And usually, if they stick with you a while, it's because you like them. There's a good relationship relationship based business. It isn't right. just counting kind out of numbers. And that's why right. you don't go, you don't see any of us at LA Fitness with a uh, Radio Shack employee's outfit on. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: As you coined it, Mike, years ago. Yeah. Oh, well, that's exactly what it looks like.
2: Man. The, the, yeah. Yeah. It does. It, it's just uh, the training companies. With the
1: Dragon Door Patagonia pants and, and black right. polo shirt. You go to any Radio Shack, you're going to see that same outfit.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the scam now is all these uh, fitness companies, they have a training company within. So they take you through, show you the gear, and then they have a fitness company who has a little office in the back come out and pitch training you and buying training on top of your membership. Right. So the So if you know what you're doing, they're going to bug the hell out of you. But right. I mean, it's just, and it's a very, it's it's just a money game and everybody's after making money. I just, I've, I haven't been in a commercial gym in years. Nothing wrong with them. I got, I've Mike and I, we were, we were at the CrossFit down there with Steve Bowser, sure. one of our buddies. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I've done things there. I've actually taken a client over there and so forth and one other private gym. But big commercial gyms, I can't imagine going in them anymore. I, one, watching what goes on. Second, all the way they attack you, the prices, everything. It, it's not it's, it's not
1: a bad place to do research from time to time because it gives you an idea what's going on out there. But I, I, yeah. I definitely agree with you. I mean, I go to somewhat of a, a neighborhood family gym, which is not yeah. over the top like a Bally's or anything like that. But it still it still gives you an idea of like okay this is what people are doing out there this is what yeah. they care about so yeah. for someone in our industry it just allows you to keep a pulse but no it, there's other ways to do that too you don't have to go I'm not saying go join a commercial gym for this this purpose yeah but anyway Tom we could we could definitely talk to you all afternoon you, you're always a wealth of information where, where can where can people find out more about you and is is there anything coming up that you want our listeners to be aware of
2: right now uh, go to tomferman.com it's pretty easy. Um, I've got probably since 2005, probably 800 different posts on my blog there. Um, I have my eBooks for sale, which are, like I said, I try to put out information that people can actually use and then I don't, it's not over the top stuff. It's stuff that works. And I, I, I take my material through a certain blast furnace, evil place on the internet. And if it lasts there, as Mike knows what I'm talking about, (laughs) it'll last anywhere and uh, so that's kind of like the acid test for me. If, if it's okay with those guys, then I know I get the harshest critic on the planet Earth. And it seems so, the material seems to have lasted. And uh, the videos are available on there. And um, the next book, like I said, will be Bamboo Gods, Iron Men, and Rubber Bands. And i got to do photography for that yet and then get it slapped together in art direction. And uh, it'll be out. And that'll be on Amazon, actually. That'll be an Amazon book.
1: Well, fantastic, man. Thanks again for coming on, buddy. Appreciate it.
2: Okay. Take care,
1: bud. Look forward to having you you back sometime. You take care. Okay. Okay. Bye.
0: Bye. That was our good friend, Tom Furman. Check out his information over at tomfurman.com. And you can also catch some very good articles from Tom over at tnation.com as well. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Live Life Aggressively podcast with yours truly, Sincere Hogan and Mike Mahler. Make sure you hop over to both of our websites, mikemahler.com and newwarriortraining.com. Type in the coupon code LLA at checkout and you can get 10% off of all of our products. Whether you're over at Mike's site and you can get his t-shirts, you can get his bundles for his supplements, as well as his DVDs, all that good stuff over there. Or if you go over to NewWarriorTraining.com, you can get 10% off of my Bodyweight Training DVD, the digital and physical copy of that, as well as my Weight Management 101 course, and... Also, those Costa Rican Chorillador pover coffee stands. Just type in the coupon code LLA at checkout. 10% off goes to all of you fantastic LLA podcast nation listeners. Thank you, and we'll see you and everyone in the next show. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>